You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. We wear the pajama pants in this family. We say, no, I'm doing this podcast. You put your, you put yourself to sleep. I'm not getting over here. And you expect me to make y'all dinner, right? You, you can eat ramen noodles crunchy. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a hot one tonight. Uh, I think probably the two hottest topics we ever get the opportunity to talk about are like the Mises caucus, which I'm super done with talking about. And abortion and this is the second one of those um things so not as bad as the mises caucus obviously but still obviously abortion is pretty nice no, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i can get away with these cheap shots because jacob's not here yet but he'll be in to chime in on this in just a moment here um boy i have a rather middle view on this one lou uh you're probably a little more to the left and thankfully jacob is a little more on the right so we're kind of going to get all the all the points of view that we want here tonight. Uh, Lou, I'll let you have the first shot at this one. How do you feel? Now, Roe v. Wade's gone, by the way, viewers. If you didn't know this and we are your primary news source, first of all, I'm sorry. Because uh, this is very late. Uh, but Roe v. Wade, uh, we knew it was getting overturned. It was leaked. Some people were like, well, are they actually going to do that? Are they not? Is it coming? And then right in the middle of this week, bam, it happened. Uh, we've talked a little bit on our thoughts of it going to be overturned before, and now that it officially has, there's a whole new wave of thoughts and feelings and legislation for us to go over. So yeah, Lou, go ahead and give us your feelings, thoughts, perspectives, and experiences about the overturning of Roe v. Wade after 50 years. Oh, it makes my heart hurt um, on so many levels, you know, on a very... Mm -hmm basic boring black and white legalese level i kind of understand maybe going back to the drawing board um on roe v wade um but i just to abolish it completely and not clean it up and perfect it and and make it more timely um those sort of things i i think was a huge disservice to all kinds of people um uh, particularly, obviously, women, people who possess uteruses, uteri. I don't know how that goes. Um, and we, you know, we all know the obvious stuff here. It's going to have a bigger impact on lower income communities, minority communities, um, victims of, you know, rape or abusive relationships, incest, things like that. Um, and people who've been exploited and abused and, and they'll have nowhere to go. Um, and it's just, it's so obvious to me that this is a, a health concern. You know, we know what the statistics look like when women seek abortions outside of the professional medical world. I, you know, one of the things Larry Sharp says a lot is, you know, is we're not real big on regulations and licensing and stuff, but you know, if it's not something you would have your friend do, it's probably okay <laughs> to be more regulated and, and licensed. And, you know, like I, wouldn't go to a friend to have an abortion, but now that may be my only choice. Um, and that's terrifying, uh, especially for those who just don't have access to the funds and the ability to travel if they need to. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how quickly this is going to change things. So many states, I'm 26 
out of 50 states have some form of like a pre-Roe ban or a trigger ban that literally says like the minute Roe v. Wade is overturned, we're going to instantly ban abortion or, you know, anything after six weeks or, you know, there there's some differences, but ultimately they don't even have to go into a session. It just is. Or laws that were previously on the books before Roe v. Wade that had stopped being enforced because of Roe v. Wade now are, they're still on the books and now they can enforce them. So, and then just here in Indiana, of course, Holcomb called an emergency session. I don't know where that's going to go, but I can guess. Um, and on a personal level, like that's terrifying to me. I have a successful career. I have three kids and I'm happily married and monogamous and all of this. Um, but having my daughter almost killed me. And I have some pretty significant health risks and the risk of getting pregnant and having a kid, it will kill me. The last time I had a stroke and I can't go through that again. And because of other health issues, I can't even really do standard birth control if it has hormones in it. it makes me very, very sick. Um, so, you know, we do what we can to avoid it, but God forbid. You know, what What are my options going to be? So it's it's a really, really scary time for women. And it's very frustrating because it feels like, you know, this really is targeted at women um, because we're talking about holding women responsible, accountable, per, you know, prosecuting for getting abortions and but what about the men? <laughs> you can't get pregnant without a man or <laughs> without a penis. So are they not equally responsible? Um, nobody's talking about prosecuting men if the woman they impregnate has an abortion. So that's terrifying to me. Um, this is a major, major step backwards for our society and it breaks my heart. And I, you know, I've said it before, there's going to be sort of a revival of sort of an underground railroad for women who need these services and just can't get them where they are. Um, luckily, and I'll have to look more into the details of it because I know some states have tried to pass. <laughs> there goes that camera again. Um, some states have tried to pass um, laws that state they would prosecute women for uh, traveling out of state. So that, you know, that's scary. Although I did see a, a note where Kavanaugh had made a comment about, you know, states can't do that. Was he, was this just him speaking or is this something that they're really going to um, step up and say, you can't do that. So it's just, I don't know. The whole thing is terrifying and it's very disappointing and it is very, you, you know, I, I made a lot of predictions on this show and I pride myself on a lot of them coming true. Um, but I will say when, uh, Barrett was, uh, confirmed into the court and, there was a lot of kickback from the left saying, oh, they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I kind of was like, no, that's a little extreme. I don't think they're really going to go that far. I was wrong. And that, that scares me. Yeah, it was a, it's a shocking thing. Uh, I, I think, especially because the previous Supreme Court justices were like, no, that's already established law. We're not going to mess with it. Well, it managed to get to them and i guess maybe they could skirt around by saying well we said we wouldn't mess with it like we weren't gonna try but if it winds up on our desk right then sure we'll have a, a peek at it either way you'd think if i mean the honest answer in this case because many of them appear uh 
very convicted in this that they there wasn't anything that needed to convince them. They said this is not an issue that should have ever been decided by the courts. It should have always been decided by the states. Um, all right. So for my feelings on this, now we've talked a little bit. We've gone in depth on abortion just specifically before abortion in general. Um, and I've shared my feelings and experiences there. I'll give a, a quick recap for those who uh, are unfamiliar with my particular experience. I worked in a hospital where they were performed. I was never anything more. I was never even technically a CNA, although I could have been mistaken for one easily because they hire people like me so they don't have to pay a full-fledged CNA. I was a paramedic too. Uh, I, I didn't like riding on the cars, so I decided to do midnight shifts and regular shifts at the hospital. And I did IVs and EKGs and vitals for um, a lot of the hospital. And, you know, when you are, you know, especially at those odd hours, you're kind of the only one. Um, but I was there in the room and present. And I was, of course, never the guy doing, like, the abortion. But was I taking vitals was i doing ivs for people who were having them yes i was so I, I i participated in them in the very loosest sense um that being said of course when you're in the room with them um from what i understand we actually i learned this when we did this show last time uh that the procedure has actually changed since i did them in fact the very next year i i talked about the years and somebody even mentioned on the show that that I was the year before they started doing primarily the vacuum. Uh, I was still back in like the snip snip phase or whatever. So it was, it was pretty harrowing. Right. And like when you miss a snip, like there's not really a protocol when you miss, like when 99% of them go right and you do a thousand in a week, you get to see 10 botched abortions, which is one of the most nightmarish, things that can happen to anybody. What do you do when a kid who is, who has no chance of survival is crying in a trash can? Like, you're just like, Ugh, it makes you sick. You know what I mean? Like, and of course, everybody is getting therapy. Everybody in the room, the, the mom is getting therapy. The, the, anybody, you know, the doctor, me, you know, every, the psych ward is right next door. And it's just like, yep, you pretty much wheel them in and out. My feelings on abortion. I don't want to mince these up too much here. It's just a feeling, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but you deserve to know that my personal feeling on this is that it is a general bad negative thing. It was not always a general bad negative thing. And I will say the feeling when, you, when you're in the room and there's an abortion because somebody raped somebody is a lot different than the feeling in the room than when somebody's getting it done like electively because they have no, and, and I want to mention that I, I will mention later about why people get elective abortions, but you know, that, that a lot of these are, it's just a different vibe about the whole thing that one makes me feel sick and the other one makes me feel okay. And in, in the cases where the mom who's, you know, where their life is in danger and, and Lou, you mentioned these examples, these happen sometimes and you rush it in there and you have it happen. And the whole abortion part is an afterthought. You, there's a celebratory attitude when you save somebody's life. So, I'll admit that there's a whole gray area that I've gotten to see and navigate and experience. And I'm aware that these are just my feelings and I can't expect everybody else to act on my feelings. Now, will I say my feelings were common? Yeah. Like it, I mean, when everybody else is going to therapy, including the mom, no matter how much they've told my, themselves that this is okay. I think it's okay for people to say like, Hey, this feels like crap even though every single one of us in this room was okay with it, we all feel like crap for having it happen. And I think it's worth understanding why that is. Now, I understand the status constitutionalist side of arguing for why the, re the revocation of Roe v. Wade was acceptable. Because what you have here is two vastly different opinions. And one opinion, it's a life. I, it has its own DNA at various points. It starts developing its brain right away, heart, limbs, kind of eyes. Like, you know, at some point it gets fingers at some point right before birth, this thing can pop out and live on its own for a little bit and you can still kill it. Right. Like, and so I think at some point there, it goes from its own individual life to like a clump of cells. And of course the conception folks have a point, you know, if it's right away, then it's right away. And if it's not, 
you know, if it's just, listen, you can kill it before it has any ounce of awareness. If you want to say that that's when life starts, if you can kill it before it seems to have any awareness of what's going on or what life really truly is, then I can see where the pro-choicers are coming from. This camera is not going to stay put, so you're going to join me on a roller coaster ride tonight. Anybody who's watching this live stream, my apologies. Um, so, so when we have two conflicting points of view, and we do like that, generally the thing that the court does is then say, hmm, I have, I'm supposed to protect life, and I'm supposed to protect privacy. And so I'm going to return this to the states because both those are important rights, and that's all I can do. Like, you know, for us to rule one way or the other is to us to favor either the right to life or the right to privacy in various people's eyes. And we can't do that. So we're going to return it to the states. Um, I don't agree with that point of view because I am not a constitutional conservative and I am not a statist. I'm an anarchist and I am a libertarian. What I believe is that the state has absolutely no right, whether it be a local state or a federal state, to determine what I am allowed to do with my own body. All the state can do in a, from a libertarian perspective, even a minarchist perspective, I know I go hard anarchist a lot on this show. Let me put it down from a minarchist perspective, because I understand where the minarchists are coming from, right? Like, if it's a life, you got to protect that life. But the all the government can do in a minarchist perspective is either is both recognize and protect your rights. We perhaps have a right to life at play here. That's going to depend on a person's opinions and feelings. And like I said, based on my own experiences, I completely understand that. And I agree with you. Yep. However, and welcome, Brian, to the show. <laughs> However... Even though I might agree with you, my, I have no right to use the government to enforce my opinion over the right of somebody else. A right to life might be in play. The right to privacy is definitely in play. Every time there is no way to investigate an abortion, like you can investigate a robbery without violating anybody's rights. You cannot investigate an abortion without violating somebody's rights very significantly. Prohibition is a failure. I want to really communicate to my fellow people who feel pro-life at heart on this one here. Because drugs are bad. Okay? Drugs are bad. All right? Alcohol is bad. It would be so great if I could push a button and all alcohol all consumption alcohol anyway, just disappeared from the universe. And life would just be wonderful because nobody needs it and it hurts people and it takes their money and it makes them do bad things and it kills and everything like that. And yet why do libertarians oppose prohibition on such a net negative thing that is so strongly bad? Because it involves the government hurting innocent people. And they can't do this thing, even though even though alcohol hurts somebody. The best I can do is say it's your choice. You as an individual, the state is not never the foundation of your rights. Indi you as an individual, you are the foundation of your rights. If you are religious like me, God has in endowed you with this. This is the foundation of your rights, not the state saying you have the right. I don't care if it's your local, state, or federal level saying you have the right. The best they can do is recognize that right. They cannot give you that right. You have the right to privacy no matter what. And you have the right to do drugs and make bad decisions no matter what. And so even if I think that an abortion is a bad idea, going the government route means I get the police involved. Police suck. Okay? They should be, even if you believe in the police, even if you be believe in the police, they should be reserved as a last resort for the most criminal of activities and should not be getting involved into healthcare decisions. Letting the government do it. When you let the government do an enforcement, that means you let them do it their way. You do not get a decision. When you talk about closed borders, a lot of people say, I want closed borders, but I want them to do it better. Doing it better is not your choice. 
That's the government's choice. Everybody wants government to do welfare better. They're not going to do it. Everybody wants them to do policing better. They're not going to do it. And <laughs> this means that we have all kinds of legislations like in Louisiana. Oh, hey, here in Utah, right? Stuff that's coming up, stuff that's being written. Brian had a humorous post about get ready for all the typos coming up on uh, legislations this week. And it's goofy stuff. They're banning contraceptions. They're banning seriously normal kinds of birth control because guess what? It's your government doing it. You don't get to choose how they ban abortion. All you get to say is government, you get to ban abortion and they'll take it from there. And so you have to accept when you say that you are all right with the government banning abortion, that they are that you are giving them permission to ban it on their terms. And that's an important thing to recognize. Listen, I'm as pro-life as they get, personally. My experiences just make me feel that way. If you want to create a pro-life atmosphere or culture, by all means, go ahead. I'm sure you've seen the pro-choicers this week say, hey, if you need to go on a mysterious camping trip and have nobody mention, you know, nobody question you why, if you need to cross state lines, whatever, why... Great. Okay. They're going to do that. You can't stop them from doing that. They're going to do that. But what you can do as a pro-lifer is you can say, hey, if you need a room, if you need help with your child care, no questions, no judgment, you can do that too. You can compete. You can compete in a market sense with these pro-choicers and promote a pro-life atmosphere by saying, hey, listen, if you need a health care cost coverage, if you need somebody who's there for it, I'm telling you, not even money, guys. If you are just there emotionally for a person, 95% plus of the elective abortions that I witnessed would have been prevented. I am telling you, these women were so alone. They could not tell their parents. They could not tell their boyfriends or husband or whatever it may be. They could not tell the people around them. And so if you want to create and cultivate this pro-life atmosphere and save a whole bunch, bunch of lives, guess what? As libertarians, this shouldn't be a surprise. Government's not going to help you with that. What can help you with that is you, your decision, decisions, your culture, the thing, the, the friendships that you make with these people and these people and your ability to be there for them is going to make a difference in their lives like I can't even tell you. These people would, most of the, I say these people, these freak, these people, now I'm like bigoting women for some reason when I say these people. These mothers would really like for somebody to reach out and say, I got this, I will help you to any degree. These abortions, while we did, I mean, like I said, thousand a week or whatever, it's a lot. They were... They would have taken any option that they could to not do this, but it happens because they see no other way out. You cannot have the government be your, I'm going to force you way out. What you can do is have yourself. You can't control others. You can control yourself and you can say, I'm going to help you out. I do want to say one last thing before I turn it away to Brian here. It is incredibly frustrating when you are a straight white Christian male like myself. And if you are trying to, to say like, hey, I, I am so angry at, I've seen all of it. I'm angry at men. I'm angry at Christians. I'm angry at straight people. I'm angry at um, whites, right? We've all seen it, right? Going around like that. And we let it slide usually because we're, they're on our side, right? Oh, well, as long as they're saying pro-choice, it's okay to be anti-man and anti-Christian. And no, it's not. Okay, screw off. Stop it. If you are one of those people that is saying, I'm making an overgeneralization against Christians, you'll be fine, whatever. No, you're pushing away people who would be your allies. Stop it. Listen, I wish everybody were just a logical Spock, Star Trekian, perfect logic machine, okay? But we're not like that. Have you ever been at a job and they, and the, they bust in there and blame everybody? Like, for something that only a few people did. I think we've all had that experience or been in a classroom where everybody gets punished for other people. As a Christian who is here to defend your political right to choose, it feels terrible when Christians get blamed for all of it. 
Now, some Christians may hide behind their Christianity and do the blaming, in which case I understand. Blame them, because if you blame their Christianity, then you are pushing away allies like myself. We're not all Spock. There's only so much abuse that we will take before I say, you know what, this job is good, but I'm sick of being blamed. So I'm leaving, right? This is what normal humans do. And libertarians, you need to understand this because I know you guys tend to get really logical, right? But people aren't just logic machines and logic boxes. You need to be able to say, hey, listen, I don't want to push you away and you are my friend. I have a problem when, when certain Christians do this, if we must address the Christianity. But as soon as you blame all Christians, all whites, all males, you're just being bigoted the other way, and that's not okay. And Christians won't stand for it. They will stop being on your side if you keep pushing them away because, yeah, we're all people. We're not perfectly logical. We will abandon our principles if the people who espouse our principles teach a, treat us like dirt. Okay, so stop treating people like dirt, especially if they're on your side. Listen, there's a lot of people on your side. Recent poll shows three out of four women support uh, supported Roe v. Wade, and they're upset right now. 57% of all Americans, right, supported Roe v. Wade. You have a lot of allies on your side right now. Now is not the time for you to burn bridges. It's your time to build them, to build a coalition to fight against this. You have the numbers. It's a matter of you having the attitude now, if you have the work ethic in order to get things done. Because if you have this bad attitude and you decide to blame all Christians and white men and straights, and that's what you want to do, you are going to lose a winnable battle. And this is an important battle, as Lou mentioned, that we really do need to win. I'm going to go fix this camera. And while I fix this camera, Brian's here. And here, Brian's going to get his... Uh, I'm going to do my best Cody impersonation and just hold on to the monitor. The yeah. entire time. <laughs> well, I wanted to really quickly, before we go to Brian, I just I wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of the white men we should be concerned about. There we go. There they are. Oh, that's Clarence Thomas, and that's uh, yeah. Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett. The white yeah. men we need to be worried about. Okay, go yeah. on. I just, I just <laughs> had to you know, put that. Thank you. <laughs> you, you know, the funny thing about this is that we obviously all agree that government is the worst group to handle this. In fact, when I talk to most people about it, the last thing they want to see is a SWAT team busting into a uh injury is fertility or fertility clinic the last thing they want to see is um somebody getting arrested some kid being dragged out because somebody snarked on them for having an abortion in another state i don't think anybody with a sound mind has that and i'm not talking about the 10 percent who uh say well just don't have sex uh i'm talking about the the real normal human beings that don't live in social media so Going from that point on, the reality is this um, was logically, uh, um, I mean, it was an expected decision. I hate to say this, it would, even before the leak, even if you look at the decision process, Roe was found on, on, on the basis of privacy, and that was always kind of flimsy. It wasn't the greatest decision. And in fact, if you ask the liberal icon, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she kind of said, yeah. Roe was kind of found it kind of fuzzy. It wasn't really the greatest ruling. And the way it was done was too quick for society. So now it being overturned. Okay. It turned back to the States. It didn't make abortion illegal. It didn't make it illegal one bit. In fact, you know, still some States, but hang on, let me get to it. Lou. Let me get, nationally, it's not illegal. Now, state wise. Yeah, that's a different story. And we can get into the stupidity that's going to come with that later. But nationally, it's not illegal. So every state, just like with marijuana, can pretty much do what they want and can do that ex relatively well. But I have ways of malicious compliance around those states that behave badly, and we'll get into that in a second here. But looking at that, Hody's right. The numbers are on the pro-choice side. Even if you're pro-life, uh, I, I am personally pro-life, but I am vehemently pro-choice because i see the laws that get written and they are terrible there's no nuance there's no 
chance of saying, you know what, we should have somebody, a doctor, be able to go and say, you know what, this is the right decision. I've seen doctors have to make decisions based on the physical and mental health of their patients and do things that just aren't exactly in the book. They're by the book. You know what? I'm going to give this person this medication. You know what? We're going to let this person have this treatment, even though it's not what we're supposed to do. It's what's best for my patient and what's best for my patient's physical and mental well-being. Now, moving on from that point, of course, there are doctors who do stupid things. You know, if you're going to implant, uh, but if you're going to put in butt implants made out of cement, probably should, you know, probably that's something that we wanted to take a closer look at and uh, be able to address. But again, this gets down to the point of that there's the majority, the majority of these, of the people in the United States and not in just blue states, in red states, in flyover country. So generally support abortion. And I think if you go to most pro-choice people, I think you say, you know, there's three trimesters. The first one, yeah, of course. Second one, well, yeah, there's probably good reasons to. And the third one, what? okay, do you, what's, what's wrong with the baby? And if there's nothing wrong with the baby, what's wrong with you? You know, and, and, I, and you know, when you get to viability, it's like, you know, can we just have the kid? And there's plenty of, there are families out there that will be gladly take it, but there's compromise there. And it's tough to legislate compromise. It's tough to legislate nuance. And this is the biggest problem with Roe v. Wade being overturned like this, is that there are going to be tons of state assemblies who are just going to jump on this and say, finally, I can do something after 50 years. Now I'm going to write the dumbest law ever possible. I'm going to shut down IVF clinics. I'm going to go ahead and write it so that if you have an ectopic pregnancy, guess what? You're dead. <laughs> it's all the stupidity that's going to happen. And then people go, well, we'll fix it in the next session. Okay, how many people get to die until the next session? If you can call an emergency session to fix, quote, state law for Roe v. Wade, you better be calling one when someone dies because of your stupidly poorly written law. Now, that being said, once again, as Hody said, the majority is pro-choice. So I, I, and I just want to get this little plug in. Uh, my daughter, Crystal, uh, this weekend ran a protest in Clarksville, Tennessee. Tennessee has one of the most obnoxious abortion laws on the books. She ran it well. She, you know, she ran it her way. Uh, I gave her some tips. She ran it her way, and that's fine. Um, but the one thing I'm going to, the two things I'm going to say, Number one, be correct. If you're going to attack the the decision made, it's not because of the Catholic Taliban. And I'm not. I'm hang on here. Let me let me rephrase it. I'm not attacking my daughter. She doesn't believe it's Catholic Taliban. Please. So let me just correct that. Appreciate but I see a lot of posts about the Catholic Taliban. I see a lot of posts about slavery is going to be you know next. We're going to be able to have slaves and stuff. And it's like that wasn't why the decision was made. The decision was made because Roe was founded on really shaky ground it was a good decision it's like imagining winning the world series because the other team's bus broke down okay you won but eh, you know so with that in mind know what the law was know what the case law was and know why the decision was made i've read through 80 percent of the decision thomas's stuff I get where Thomas is coming from, which most people are like, oh, it's the Antichrist. No, no, he's coming from a purely constitutionalist position that, you know what? A lot of these things we enumerated kind of made kind of inference into the Constitution. They aren't specifically spelled out. So it's kind of like we kind of filled in the blanks and maybe we filled it in wrong. Who knows? You know, so if you look at that from a purely legal perspective, it's like, yeah, okay, I can see where he's coming from. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can see where he's coming from. You look at the general concurrence, which says this, don't, you know, I, there was a lot of covering your ass in this in this decision. This does not touch gay marriage. This does not touch, you know, interracial marriage. This does not touch. It, they literally called those items out and said, this is only limited to abortion. So let's be technically correct on the decision. Let's go back and say, the decision was that Roe v. Wade was founded, shaky decision process. Um, it was known to be a problem. Democrats who had, let's go through the list here. Jimmy Carter, 
Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, never fixed the problem in a legislative manner, which was the problem that could have been fixed. You could have fixed this in three different presidencies easily. Boom. And the Republicans, too. The Republicans could have very easily fixed this in their terms. And they never did. They never even tried. They put up something and there'd be grandstanding and there'd be lots of fundraising requests. But then suddenly nothing would happen. So what did we get? We got basically a lot of fundraising done for a whole lot of nothing until this decision came about. And now everyone's like, oh, my God, we got to do something. Yeah. You know, what my something is don't do a damn thing. Just let these people live their lives. And if you want to do something about abortion, do what some people are doing, where you can go out and help women that are finding themselves pregnant and not destroy the lives of others who aren't. So the first thing, be technically correct. I'm getting way off topic here. I apologize. But the second part is be humble. Listen to the, the, the discussions. If somebody's screaming at you, don't be a hoe, you're probably not going to have a deep philosophical discussion on the topic. But if you do hear somebody says, look, you know what? I believe life begins at conception. I believe it does. Then you go, okay, what about IVF? Oh, well, I think IVF is terrible. Why? Just ask why. Ask why it's terrible. And then point out that probably five of the kids in their kids' school probably are a result of IVF at some point. So which five kids do we whack? Hmm? Right. Which five kids don't get to exist because of your, well, I don't think that's what God wanted. Which five kids? Tell me, because that's what's going to happen here. If you're so worried about life, then why the hell would you care about IVF or anything else? If anything, you should be celebrating that. Because the advancements that are found in IVF also translate into fetal survivability outside the womb. And my greatest thing about abortion has always been when you make an abortion a less attractive option, not because of law, but because there are other ways to be able to keep the fetus alive, have it gestate, come out completely normal and go to a loving family. I think most women will take it. Or if you can take the feet, if you can get the fetus out, put it on storage. Hey, you know what? I'm going to come back when I'm done in college in six years. Pop that puppy back in and let's get going at it. Okay, then do it. Let's do this. Let's take all those millions dumped into the fucking crosses on the fucking lawn and do something with that money. Okay, that's my soapbox. Okay, be knowledgeable of what happened. Be humble of what happened. And finally, and if and if you're those two things, that 60% is going to grow to 70 or 80. And state legislators won't ignore that because when November comes around, you're going to see a lot of state houses flip from solidly red to blue. Yeah. And you want to talk about some pissed off fundraisers who are suddenly going to go, whoa, wait a minute. We just got our asses handed to us. It's going to happen. So. Oh, yeah. I think this is... Uh unfortunate timing for the midterms and, and the, uh, the rights hopes of really securing the Democrats that. were going to get their clocks clean. Hey, they, they were, were. going to get absolutely smoked. And, and now you know, there's no way. And even if they punt it, even if the, like they write a law that's like in here in Indiana, Holcomb, I think is honestly probably going to write the probably tamest law possible. It's going to be Oh, I think, well, here's, here's my theory on it. Because number one, if he loses the House, how long has the House been not only Republican controlled, but almost Republican supermajority? Yeah. Pretty long time. That happens under his watch. And yes, he's, he's in his last, he's in his second term. He can't run again. But Indiana's had Democratic governors. I mean, Mike Pence was going to lose to a warm body Democrat because he was Mike Pence. Right. So, and although Buttigieg wasn't governor, he was very popular here. So uh, there all, all you need to do is Democrats. Yeah. All you need to do is a tour of South Bend and that pretty much nuked Buttigieg. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we got roundabouts. 
I'm going to take a brief break here just because I'm, I always forget this thing, but uh, I mean, if I don't get the ads, you know, people, their money, I'm going to get fired from this network and I really enjoy <laughs> doing the show. So I'm going to take a brief break here. Excuse me for just a minute. Please hang tight. and We'll be back with some more abortion talk. Thanks so much for hanging on through the break, everybody. Welcome back. We got Lou, we got Brian, and I guess Hody's still here somewhere. Just just abort um, the ads. You know, let's just abort the ads. Just, <laughs> abort the ads, abort the court. Yeah, abort's now like this hot button word. Um, and it's going to be. Now, I don't, I, I, I am, I'm not, now you guys tend to be better on predictions than I am, so. Mm -hmm. uh, not this I, one. I, so take this grain of salt that the others yeah. are better at predicting the future than me. I still think the economy might win out no. in the midterms, but uh, if it does, I will still say, imagine the red wave that could have been and imagine the red wave that will be. So like, even if you do win, it's not going to be as much. This is kind of like a Kavanaugh situation mm -hmm. where like the, the Democrats, because of the way they talk to Kavanaugh, like it really cost them some votes in the election. So like mm -hmm. they got a little left, but they didn't get nearly what, what would have and should have been. I mean, they were looking right. at losing everything and, and the Republicans actually managed to keep some things together because the way uh, Kavanaugh was treated uh, with his questions. Now, yeah, I do want to say this. Um, how do It's really hard to talk civilly about this because to some people, this is their right to their body. And if you give the government permission to mess with it, what can't they do? You know, this is like some handmade tale stuff when the government gets to kind of get invasive. On the other hand, if this is a living thing, I don't care about your privacy. This is a living thing you're trying to murder. I mean, if there's one thing to use the government for, it's murder, right? So, like, how do you find that when there are divides this deep? Now, I know us three tend to be pretty okay and centrist on this or whatever but how when when you do see divides that are this deep how do you kind of bring the conversation centered to the point where we can have like a normal conversation about it go Ooh, ahead i know i know um as a pretty hardcore lefty i think one of the things that will help those conversations happen is being able to hold your own side accountable. And the left really, really stepped in it with this shout your abortion, celebrate your abortion. Like, I understand the idea. From a marketing perspective, I understand the boom in your face crazy thing to get someone's attention. But there comes a point where that's not appropriate and it's not gonna work. Um, in fact, you're just going to turn people off. And that's exactly what they did. In fact, they did that to a lot of their own. And I do believe that that sort of rhetoric and that narrative around the subject was so reprehensible that it sort of reinvigorated the conservative side of things to be like, oh, my God, they're, you know, Satanists doing ritual baby killing in the fields, like, <laughs> like you know, and I, I, while I understand your point, like, I feel like that's what's going to help is hold ourselves accountable. Like that was shit messaging. And all we've done is piss them off, you know, and look at us now. And also Brian, you know, I kind of, briefly spoke on it earlier, but I very much agree with you in, you know, Roe v. Wade was a terribly written decision. It was, it was the right answer, but like, like the math question, when you're supposed to write out your work and you mess up the work, but you still kind of accidentally get the right answer. <laughs> it was one of those, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and the really unfortunate thing is that it wasn't just fixed, rewritten, what have you. It was just disappeared. <laughs> and uh, we're the left is partially responsible. We have to be humble, you know, and say, okay, well, maybe we got a little too overzealous about that. Um, because the reality is it is a horrible horrible painful decision to have to make and 
it's a horrible, painful, awful, heartbreaking thing to go through. Um, especially if you have to do it alone, which so many people do. Um, and I think if we can hold ourselves accountable for radical messaging that can turn off people who disagree with us and both come back to a place of compassion, like nobody, nobody goes like, oh my God, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to go to the spa and get my nails done. I was thinking about an abortion after <laughs> you want to go for boba later. Like that's not, that's never how this goes. I, like. It doesn't bobo cause abortions. I mean, it's got all those bubbles and shit. So you know, I, I I I'm a little worried about my health anytime I'm near one of those damn things. It's like like little eggs or something, isn't it? It's tapioca, yeah. Yeah, that's that seems like that that's just gonna like you know, you know all of a sudden you're like chest burst, or, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's how the abortion happens. The baby just comes out, goes ah, you know. That's how like that's how pro-lifers love to depict it, really. Uh, yeah. Well, and that was another thing um, I wanted to talk about was Hody. I your experience. We talk about this a lot. Is someone's experience, but also, you know, going back to what Brian said about being make sure you're correct. That doesn't mean okay. Your experience and your antidote is truth to you and what you witnessed. But statistically, the vast majority of abortions are medication-based abortions. You literally right. go home, take a couple pills, and flush like just a really rough period is yeah. essentially what you face. So what you saw, of course, being in the environment you were in was the worst of the worst. Um, but in the grand scheme of thing, it, it was a very small percentage of all abortions. So that's an interesting thing that, like, I don't think people realize. I I have a question. I thought about this, and I was I was I, I actually hit up a couple people on uh, on my thought process on a new business model. So let's say that I have a doctor who can prescribe medication. They can prescribe anti-abortion medication, and they can go ahead and prescribe them just like Viagra or medical marijuana or whatever else is legal. And I pop it in the United States Postal Service, pop in the pills with the directions, send it to the person that goes to the woman that gets it. And she receives it via USPS and is able to take them uh, in any state that you want. So here's the question. How could a state stop that? Well, number one, it's FDA approved. So there's no reason for the U.S. Postal Service to stop delivery of it. So and number two, uh tampering with the mail intercepting the mail is a federal crime so realistically if i use the u.s postal service to go ahead and send these medications to these ladies in these states where you said the vast majority are done pharmacologically um what's to stop them from creating a website and say hey think you're pregnant Click here, a doctor will review things with you and send you the prescription and you can hold on to it in case you need it. And here's when you use it. Have a good day. Yeah, uh, I mean, I suppose it's possible. I, if I remember correctly, I mean, there may be some restrictions on mailing prescription medication. I don't know exactly what those are. Um, and also, I mean, if you're the doctor and you're mailing it to a patient, but then I also think there's restrictions on out-of-state doctors doing right. specific medications. Because I tried to do like an online thing yeah. for migraines mm -hmm. and the doctor they hooked me up with wasn't in my state so I couldn't even get headache medicine beyond uh, like... Was it, a controlled, was it a controlled substance though in that case? If it yeah. was a controlled substance, so that that's different. That has to go through a special FDA and you usually have to have it in state and it usually has to be like... And because the doctors now have, have limits of what they can prescribe... But right. there's no prescription. I mean, um, Mark Cuban has his um, cost less drug thing that he's running. Oh, um, yeah. I, why, why couldn't somebody write a prescription? And in fact, just Mark Cuban just sat there. And all you, you don't send it out UPS. You don't send it out FedEx. You don't send it out Fred's. You know, you send it out USPS because that's a federal agency. And so the process for a state to stop the mail of somebody and intercept it, it's going to require a court order, a federal court order, which is going to be really kind of tough to get if you think that 
Marge down the street may have had an abortion. So I, I'm going through this here, and I'm sure there's probably some state laws, some agreements between the states and the feds where it's like, okay, we're not going to ship stuff in. But how can they track it? It's not like they can put drug sickening dogs in to be able to sniff the stuff. It's legal by the FDA. A bunch of drug sniffing dogs walking around with boners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're stopping Viagra. They're not stopping all these other things. Why couldn't you do that? So yeah, there's Brian. I mean, I, I get the general point here is that trying to stop it is going to be such a landmine because there's a yeah. billion ways you could do it. There's this thing going around with like 30 some foods or something you can eat that are and really that not- is scary to me because some of those are very dangerous and toxic. If you right, it's kind of like a it's kind of like the hanger thing, you know. It's like I exactly are you stabbing a blood vessel or are you stabbing the fetus? Like, I mean, it's just the it's really well, it, the it, highest percentages of types of like self-abortion is trauma to the stomach. And women die trying to do that to themselves when they don't have access to abortion. That's awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lou, you brought up a, a point on, on uh, social media earlier this week that kind of talked about uh, the Christian angle in this one and how abortion is not mentioned often. And uh, it is it, there is one instance of in the Bible of an assault happening and losing the fetus. And I should mention, for all those of you Bible people out there, that in that case, there is a punishment. That punishment is less than what a murder is. So here's the thing that I find interesting about that. And the reason I bring this up to a general audience instead of just, you know, specifically a Christian audience is that there is some area in between that even the Bible attempts to recognize of this was a murder versus this was a bad thing, you know, versus this was nothing. I don't think it was nothing. I also don't think it was murder. You know, from my time with the LDS church, kind of an interesting thing here is you can't get a temple recommend if you killed somebody. You could get one if you had an abortion. Again, it was still a bad thing. They still required repentance, but it was treated differently. And I do think it is different when you when you just try to feel it out. Now, I know I'm going a lot on people's feelings here, but there's no way around this issue. At some point, feelings have to get involved. It's There's no way. Right. And so like, like, yes, it's easy to dismiss somebody's feelings. Everybody who's not willing to do mental gymnastics on this issue is probably being a bad actor because you could draw some simple, really easy thing. But that really easy thing is not going to cover all the bases. I mean, really, that's what the politicians are trying to do. Right. On both sides to say, oh, this is really easy. If it's, you know, if it's conceived, then it's a human. Oh, this is really easy. If it's still in the body, then it's a human. I mean, we've had occasional, occasional politicians even push for the fourth trimester born, but really don't want it around abortion thing before, which is funny until you lose an election, Mr. Al Gore, because of some tricky wording, right? And like, oh, maybe I didn't mean that all the way, my bad, you know, and and guess, you know, like, and oh, guess what? When you're only losing by when you when you're only losing by a handful of votes, it probably mattered. So the thing is, is like there is this gray area, and feelings are going to be involved, and so therefore, not only are you going to have to understand, as we talked about here, Lou, you took the words out of my mouth when I asked the question of how do we get more civil conversation. You hold your your side accountable. If you have a friend going like ho versus Wade or hoes mad or whatever, I'm not saying you have to say it in public, but you do got to say something to him that's not going to get fixed without you saying something to him. And then at the same time, if you see somebody else just being like, these people just hate women, these people just, you got to say something to him. That's it. And it's not pleasant. Look, correcting your own side is never pleasant. You want to root for your own side, right? I love sports. I'm watching the avalanche and the other thing right now, hoping they finish it off tonight, right? (laughs) But like, I get, yeah, so far. (laughs) Yeah, heading into the last period here. Anyway, but like, here's the deal is like, you need to stop that like sports mentality, my team, your team, because then that's just going to go with like numbers and politicians and whoever has the guns every time. Bad news, libertarians, as much as we love guns, we don't have them when you're comparing us to everybody else on the planet. Except and so, Indiana on July 1st. 
We're going Except constitutional for- carry July 1st. Oh, for real. On for my real. husband's right. birthday. How appropriate. We're getting there. We're getting there. In yeah. some ways, you know, we kind of have the Second Amendment because of rulings like this, right? Like, because at some point we just got to be like, not your business. And if you want to make it your business, something bad could happen to you. But <laughs> like my, my point is, is that just, I mean, to back up what Lou said, it's just something you're going to have to keep your own side in check. Nobody wants to have a rational conversation about it because your feelings are going to be so strong. I have a really, like I said, like my gut instinct, I told you about how I feel about abortion. So I will admit to you fully, I have to kind of force myself into this pro-choice side, right? Like I have to tell myself, and I'm not saying I'm forced because like society or cancel culture or something like that is telling me to do it. It's the right thing. It's just my gut doesn't feel good about it. But then at the same time, I need to understand other people whose gut doesn't feel good about it. Moxie Mandy over here saying she's in red Texas and they're talking about all these kinds of other bills and stuff. And we got DeSantis down in Florida talking about, you know, getting, we've talked about the don't say gay bill here and stuff before too. It feels like we're going the wrong direction. Of course you're scared. You are rationally scared. Like not the kind of scared where it's like, Oh, the boogeyman, like there's legitimate fears to be had. You look at kind of the, you look at, Nazi Germany and how like 10 years before that happened, they were like the most progressive. And then they started getting more and more fashy and then look at where they got to understand the parallels. Now I understand to me, does that feel like an exaggeration to say we're going Nazi Germany and there's going to be another genocide of trans people? Yeah. But guess what? I'm also not a trans person. So it probably is less scary to me. Now, if all of a sudden this were a bill regulating my body, how would I feel? probably a lot different about it you know so i need to understand where all these people are coming from we have four minutes to go and i want you all to get some closing thoughts before we close out here lou give us a minute and 30 seconds of pure and adulterated lou um what i wanted to say last actually is kind of in response to what you were saying and in agreement you know and i i can't quote it verbatim but we've all heard the you know first they came for these people and, but it wasn't my people, so I didn't say anything, and then so on and so forth until they came for my people, and then there was nobody to say anything, you know, to have my back, right? And that's, I think, a lot of the frustration and you, your specifically, Hody, feeling that towards, you know, straight white men, right? And I don't like generalizing either, but I think when you look at the current state of affairs, you have laws that are hurting women who are hurting the GSM community, um, who are hurting immigrants, um, economic things that are hurting minorities in low-income communities, things like that. And it, it standing back and looking at it, it kind of feels like we're all getting picked on, but, uh, middle-class white dudes are doing okay. (laughs) Like, and when we don't feel like you (laughs) to be very, you know, personalized about this are saying enough, which you do, obviously you speak out and, and to you and all of the others that do, we really appreciate you. And I think we need to say that more. Um, But to have people who are not us, who are not directly affected, stand up for us and say, this is not okay. You know, and we have their back. You know, that's really what we want and need. And I know that as the left, you know, our team, the women, what have you, we need to be more vocal about saying thank you, recognizing that support and sort of, you know, just like you said, I'm not trying to burn bridges right now. We only can afford to build them um, because we can't fight this alone. Um, So I really, you know, it. I have definitely cleaned out my friends list in the last few days, um, but there have certainly been some really eye-opening moments to and to see the support from some people I really am surprised to see it from is you know they're as as hard heart-wrenching as this week has been for women 
um, there have been some really touching moments and a lot of those personally came from the men in my world. And I appreciate that. Yeah. We talked about pride last week, how it's, it, you stand with them and that's how you get success right. is by pulling in the allies, you know, by, by joining with the people that are getting picked on. Brian, go ahead. Give us a, give us a few minutes of uh, unadulterated Brian. I, you know, th this gets back to what we were talking about earlier about um, being knowledgeable and being humble about your position, because again, this, this is really critical in any debate, any honest debate. Um, if you want to be an honest debater, that's the, the thing to do. And if you want to be a master debater, uh, there's other things you can do. Um, but really, honestly, I, I just sit here and look at the vitriol in this. There's a middle ground between the hardcore, you know, the mostly hardcore pro-lifers and, and the, the majority, which is pro-choice. And, and I think we can find it, but I think that we can find it without government. And it's hard for people to uh, be able to say that, uh, especially in the libertarian mindset, because we because some people want it to be the law and some libertarians love the idea of it because they were Republicans in a previous part of their life. But that that's the tough thing here. And if we can find ways to make abortion less appealing, not by law or by shaming or anything like that, but by giving them viable options, you fix the problem. And abortions were already going down. And if we can keep this moving forward, they're going to go down even further. Also, I'm going full status here. I'm going to take 10 seconds to thank uh, some of you who follow me on social media. You know, we had some problems uh, this weekend with one of my children. I want to thank the Huntington Police Department, uh, the town that I live in. Uh, they went above and beyond in helping us with our problem this weekend. Uh, was not criminal in nature. Uh, was totally uh, 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 just a safety issue. But they went above and beyond. And I want to say in full status mode, thanking them for doing that work and using the resources they had. Um, now, of course, they do something terrible. I will also <laughs> them them at another time frame. But I don't want to sit here and say all cops are bad because this weekend I met about four of them that were really awesome. I am happy to hear things are moving yeah. in the right direction. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it, it ties into this subject well that when we tend to overgeneralize, like we burn bridges that we don't mean to burn, that we didn't intend to burn. And so, uh, Brian, I'm glad glad you, your daughter's okay and, and uh, everything with the police ended up all right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, you had that good experience. Like you said, it doesn't delete all the bad experiences, but we can recognize the good and say, how do we get more of these yes. and less of these? You know, and... and uh, I think that's really important. Look, uh, I think a conversation that we need to have among libertarians, especially, is do you want to be right or do you want to win? Because libertarians are right about everything. We are awesome. We are the rightest of right. We are philosophically grounded. We are, I mean, how, how often do you hear principled? We are principled like crazy. It drives us nuts to see. I mean, we had a perfect example over the last, what? two years of seeing the parties back and forth on bottomly, bodily autonomy, autonomy, bottomly autonomy, bodily autonomy. <laughs> bottom <laughs> autonomy. Leave my <laughs> bottoms alone. That's uh, that's immunity right there. I can get bottoms. Uh, <laughs> bottoms <laughs> you don't need any autonomy now. Anyway, bodily autonomy. We've seen the two parties flip flop like nuts when it comes to gun rights and police interference and uh, COVID mandates and abortion and uh, big medicine. I mean, right now we talk about abortion versus, you know, uh, COVID. Oh, trust your doctor. Oh, don't trust your doctor. Oh, no. Look, everybody's all over the freaking map outside of libertarians. Okay. If you are still fighting the battle of being right, your fight is over. You've won. We are right. Everyone knows it. That's the end, okay? 
Good job. We crossed that line. The trouble is, is change doesn't occur for being the most right. Change occurs by reaching hearts and minds. And you don't reach hearts and minds just by being the most right. Ben Shapiro likes to say um, facts don't care about your feelings, but feelings do care about your facts. So you can have a million facts and until you manage to influence their feelings, it's not going to work. I strongly suggest when we talk about communication, take even take even a course uh, on on like couples, right? And look at the lessons that you learn for, hey, my spouse and I aren't communicating well. How do we communicate better? Okay, make sure you listen to what they're saying fully. Make sure you're not interrupting. Make sure you ask a lot of questions. And then at the end of it, make sure that you are able to rephrase it in a way that makes them say, yeah, that's exactly it. You get it now. And then you can present your case. Libertarians, you don't like to do that very much because you just like to be right. And like any couple in a quarreling argument, being right doesn't mean you win. A lot of times that means the other person leaves you and you pay alimony, okay? So if you want to win, you need to change your tactics. And that's just a fact of life. And I think especially on the issue of abortion, you can deliver a slap shot one-liner, oh, that makes people go, oh my gosh, you just owned that other person. Oh, you scorched them. Okay, great. You're great at scorching people. Is that actually changing people? Or are you just rallying the people you already have? Because if you're rallying the people already have, I've counted them up and you are losing by a lot. <laughs> Okay, so it's time to shift modes and win. And I think that if you're going to go to win mode, this is a great time to practice because, hey, guess what? Most of the country agrees with you, libertarians. Okay, so don't botch it. All right, this is an easy one. You've got a lot harder ones on your hands, okay? There are, there are difficult fights that libertarians need to fight that we hope to win someday. You can win this abortion argument, okay, if... You decide to win instead of to be right. So focus on your tactics. Look at how you're communicating with people. Try to actually change some minds. At least show yourself to be more rational. Even if you're arguing with somebody who is irrational, there are rational people who may be watching you. So just make sure to let that shine. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week on Enemy of My Enemy. I'm Brian, Lou. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your perspectives. Everybody else, enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully we'll be celebrating an Avs Stanley Cup by this time next week and if not minutes <laughs> i i may skip a week and just be depressed so we will see <laughs> no abs next week who would talk mental health yeah bodies <laughs> <laughs> in particular yeah well yeah next week we'll be talking about mental health and maybe in my absence and we'll talk about why i needed this conversation two weeks ago anyway everybody else have an enjoyable evening and we will see you all next week have a good one